Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, Screen the Screener College Basketball listeners out there. Thank you so much for carving out some time for the podcast. Very thankful, honestly humbled, and excited to bring you and continue to bring you the team preview series that Mike and I have put together. Gus Kearns coming at you straight forward. Today, we are not going keep bringing you big schools. We're going to we're going to dive a little deeper, go a little off the map, and find ourselves in South Carolina. We're going to talk about some Winthrop Eagles and some Big South basketball. The podcast was lucky enough to dial up Brett McCormick of the Herald of Rock Hill. He is the sports editor over there at the Herald. He was kind enough and nice enough to give the podcast a few minutes. You can follow Brett on Twitter, B-R-E-T-J-U-S-T, the numeral one and a capital T. Brett, just one T, very clever. And you can find his items, heraldonline.com. So please dial him up if you're looking for a little further, deeper dive into Winthrop and Big South basketball. We'll get right into the conversation here, but he was nice enough to really open the door on what that program is like and talked about some of the foreigners that Winthrop brings into their program. And we even talk about a pair of brothers on the team that are going to have a big impact. So please enjoy this in-depth conversation with Brett McCormick of the Herald of Rock Hill. Uh, cheers. Gratulations. Salam. Ahoy out there again. Screen the Screener college basketball podcast listeners out there. We are going to roll on with our team series preview and we got a special treat for you guys. We're going to go dive really deep into the college basketball lexicon, and we're going to bring in Brett McCormick from the Herald of Rock Hill. You can find his stuff at heraldonline.com, and you can follow him at Twitter at Brett, just one T, very clever Twitter handle. He's going to give us a little insight on the Winthrop Eagles uh, of the Big South. Brett, how's everything going today? Thanks for coming on. It's going good. Uh, I'm I'm like knee deep in high school football, so it's nice to Take a break. <laughs> think, oh, about, think about something else. We're, we're, we're glad to change your, your mindset and give you some, uh, some Winthrop Eagles and some Big South and some college hoops to talk about. I guess the biggest question for the Winthrop Eagles right off the bat, Brett, is like, how do they replace Keon Johnson and 22 points a game? That guy was a stud, even though he was undersized. So talk about how big of an impact he had as a player and like, how do we go about replacing him uh, on the roster? Yeah, that, uh, that will be, I guess, the biggest question. And I, probably can already tell you the answer is that they won't I mean they have uh they have a guy in Xavier Cooks who I'm sure we'll talk about a lot who is uh going to be the the lead guy the offense will run through him but Keon was uh, a very unique player uh because he was so undersized I think it was around you know five five six which may be uh general uh generous right uh he he yeah he really had a chip on his shoulder you know had that little guy thing that you know, makes like Isaiah Thomas and the NBA, p- people like that so good. And he also had, uh, was pretty, he, he really got cold-blooded in late-game situations, especially his uh, senior year. There, I mean, you know, Cooks took some last shots, but that would be because everybody expected Keon to take it. So he, he really made a lot of big shots. Had, um, I mean, you know, numerous 30-point games last year, just games where he totally took over. And uh, it really, the hardest thing that will, that will be to replace is uh, the force of nature or the force of will. You just, you know, could put the team on his on his little back and, and carry them. And uh, 
you know, you saw when they got in the NCAA tournament against bigger teams that, that you know, that wasn't wasn't always as easy, especially the team. Butler was a really tough matchup for them because they were so physical and so big. But, um, you know, the 38-point game he had against – that Keon had against Illinois when they beat Illinois on the road yeah. uh, will not be forgotten <laughs> too soon. And, you know, he'll be a Hall of Fame guy, like, as soon as he's eligible. I, I, I'm not sure exactly how – long that takes but um you know all-time leading scorer in the program's history and you know Kelsey hasn't Pat Kelsey hasn't coached a team at Winthrop without Keon so it'll be interesting to uh to see where they go um from you know this year with without him out there uh, absolutely I mean the guy the guy was a, just a plain old stud last year uh in, in late game situations and throughout the entire season so trying to replace somebody of that nature like you said and and it's cool that you talked about like his impact on the game with his personality and his characteristics too. Like he just had this really strong will. Well, one of those guys obviously is going to be Xavier Cooks, six uh, eight senior. He's probably going to average uh, close to a double-double. He put up 23 in the NCAA tournament game. He pulled down a 20-20 game against Longwood. How does, how does a, an opposing team deal with a player who's so versatile, who can do a little bit of everything? He can make some threes. He can defend. He can score the ball in the paint. Is he good enough to challenge Chris Clemens from Campbell for player of the year in the conference? And did you catch any of his world university game success uh, over the summer? Like talk about Cooks and the impact he'll have for the Winthrop this particular season, trying to replace uh, some of the points lost by Keon Johnson. Yeah. So the the offense will run through him. It it did a little bit last year anyway, but it, it definitely will this year. He played a lot last season at the nail which is that little nail that's in the middle of the free throw line. Um, so he would get in there yeah. and just kind of, you know, they run stuff through him. And um, he's also really good with his back to to the basket. He's also very good uh, with the ball at like the um, extended free throw line driving. Uh, because when he gets in, when he gets in the middle, the, where you want him is kind of like in the middle because he's six foot eight and has uh, really good handles. And so you get him in there and, and three good outcomes can happen. I mean, he can, he can see over everybody, so he's a really good passer. He led led Winthrop in assists last year, almost three assists a game. He can score. He's got a really nice shooting touch, uh, sweet little floater, and he gets fouled a lot. Uh, he was second on the team behind Keon in getting fouled last year, and and Keon was one of the best in the country at that. So so you know no oh, yeah no slouch there. So um so three I mean three really destructive things he can do on, to to the other team when he's got the ball on offense. Uh, he's also Pretty good three-point shooter. He's been a little bit up and down, but last year in conference play, shot 40% from three. He he was six foot one as a junior in high school, and then shot up like seven inches that summer. And and so he has that like small before he was tall thing. You know, he has guardability with six foot eight height and also a really uh, long wingspan. So like you said, he had a bunch of double doubles last year. And I, I, yeah, I would be surprised if he didn't average a double double this year because one of their other big guys that that took a lot of rebounds from him, maybe uh, transferred to Nebraska. So he's really um, going to be the guy uh, for them in, in a lot of different phases. The the way you um, – the hope for opponents is that maybe they can get in his head or they can get him in foul trouble. He's had a little bit of trouble with technical fouls in the past. Um, you know, he's like a pretty fiery player. He's super relaxed off the court. I don't know if right. listeners know, but he's from Australia. I mean, so he's, you know, he's kind of got – from Wollongong, which is like from the pictures, looks like heaven on earth. I mean, it's like uh, you know any um, Hawaiian you know beach town that you could see, and, and it's very uh, surfing and skateboard oriented. And Xavier has kind of that vibe, but on the court, he's really fiery. And 
you know, there's been times when he's picked up a second or third foul and then said something to the ref and then got a tech on the way to the bench and then sat there for 10, 10 minutes, if not longer. So that's really one of the few shortcomings in his game. Right. You know, and, and even that is not really the worst thing. I mean, he didn't do it that often. It, it happens maybe two or three times a year. But other than that, I mean, he's just, he's really, uh, I'd say he's gotten better every year. Defensively, he's very good uh, just with his length. He probably can, with the guy that transferred to, to Nebraska is the all-time leading shot blocker at Winthrop. And Xavier was only seven behind him. So he's going to claim that record this year too. Yeah, that number I mean, sounds like it's very obtainable. So I, I wrote down a couple things. I mean, he led the league last year with 10 plus rebound games with 16. He led the league with 20.10 rebound games with seven. Uh, and he is headed into his senior year as the seventh player in league history with 1,000 points, 700 rebounds, and 150 block shots. And they didn't have it in their uh, in their notes, but if you threw assists in there, there's maybe one or two or three players that are, that have done all those numbers on top of the assists he's had. That, that's where he's unusual. Really gifted, really uniquely talented player. His, his skill set seems, and you spoke to this due to him, you know, being a guard early and then shooting up and then having this forwards body, but with all these, you know, ball guard skills. That's a recipe for success on on any level. I think it's going to be awesome to watch him play. And I think it's possible that, you know, maybe at least he's in the chatter with Clemens for player of the year. If he puts up these crazy numbers that we're kind of talking that you just mentioned and referenced, holy smokes. For sure. And the next group of guys I think we need to talk about are are the brothers, right? Um, The Broman brothers. If we're going to fill in at least some of the ball handling duties and some of the leadership uh, qualities that were lost from Keon. Uh, I think that, you know, both Anders and Bjorn might be the people to fill that role. Do you think you can just talk about how those, the impact that those guys have on the program and maybe some of the unique Aussie skills that you talked about, you know, with Xavier that they could bring to success for the Winthrop Eagles? These, these two are uh, really good program guys, like program culture guys. So people may or may not know, but Anders is the older one. He's the all-time leading scorer in Minnesota high school basketball. And Bjorn is either number two or three. And they played at this tiny, 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 tiny little Christian school up on whatever lake is up there. I'm not sure which one it is. And, um, you know, just averaged like 45 points a game, you know, all, all three years of high school. And, I mean, you know, just put oh up these goodness. insane numbers. Yeah, Bjorn was uh, – Parade All-American, which, you know, Winthrop has never had a Parade All-American. So if you watch Bjorn on his AAU team, he played with the Howard Pulley teams, you know, like with Tyus Jones and numerous Mm -hmm. NBA guys from from Minnesota. That was more likely what he was going to be at Winthrop. So with them, he was like 7.7 assists a game, and and that's kind of what he's been at at Winthrop. They they could use both of them taking a, a, you know, taking a bit of a leap scoring-wise. You know, Bjorn only averaged 5.4 points a game last year. Anders was uh, pretty pleasant surprise. He transferred from South Dakota State, and I think some people were really skeptical of him coming down. Um, you know, he didn't play right. really much at all at South Dakota State, and, uh, you know, I think people were thinking, well, is this what Bjorn's going to do, you know, set all these records and then come down here and sit the bench, but um, Anders was a pleasant surprise. I mean, he averaged eight points a game, but shot 46% from three in conference and really was crucial for uh, Xavier. You know, if you're talking about somebody that's going to be in the middle of the paint, He's obviously got to have somebody to spray the ball to, and uh, Anders was, you know, pretty favorite target of uh, of Xavier. They they had another guy, a lefty, who's graduated, who was, uh, you know, usually in the opposite corner. But Bjorn is one of the best defenders on the team schematically, not athletically necessarily, but 
Um, right. Both of them just they they do their job. You know, they're very they're very sound defensive players with what they try to do. Which when Kelsey first got to Winthrop, it was really hardcore pack line. They they sort of like got away from that a little bit last year, but you may see them go back to that a little bit uh, more this year. And and those two guys are really good at that stuff. They're, they're going to do like exactly what you tell them to do. And so when you had uh Keon wasn't a, a bad defender, but he, he wasn't really asked to defend so much. And then you had Xavier and the guy that transferred to, to Nebraska that relied a lot more on their shot blocking as opposed to maybe their positioning. You know, it was good to have Anders and Bjorn that could be a little more fundamentally sound at times. So they, re- they really added stability to the team. And then, uh, you know, Keon was just above mute. I mean, he just didn't really talk a lot. Um, most of the comments that he would make during practice would be, you know, talking smack to somebody after he, you know, just drained a three in their face or, you know, like sure. hitting around kind of with people. He, he wasn't like a a leader by how he um, was verbally. So Andres isn't really as much, but Bjorn is a, Bjorn is a talker. He's not afraid to call people out. And uh, that's, that's another thing that he brings to the table that, you know, isn't in like a stat sheet that's valuable. Yeah. If you're going to have guards that do that, that's exactly what you need moving uh, moving forward for success in the postseason in March. I totally agree with that. And it sounds like, you know, all the way down the line, everybody we've talked about, uh, you know, the Bjorn brothers and Xavier, it sounds like they're all very coachable. So let's hit on uh, Coach Pat Kelsey. He had like a little bit of a roller coaster ride this offseason as far as where he was going to end up, but he ended up staying in Rock Hill with the Eagles. Tell the listeners why Winthrop is excited he stayed put at Rock Hill and maybe talk about like the ebbs and the flows uh, that took place with him accepting, then declining, and then ending up back at Winthrop. Yeah, he, he uh, so just shortly, he took Winthrop to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2010. You know, they had, they had gotten pretty spoiled about the NCAA tournament with Greg Marshall. Hadn't hadn't been in a little bit, so they were really happy to get back this year. And I don't think anybody was surprised that shortly after, I want to say it was five days, might have been a week, I can't remember, that he was headed to UMass to, to take their job. I think we reported that on a Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't remember exactly. And I know the press conference was on a Thursday, and 30 minutes before it, he let the um, AD at UMass know that he, you know, he was having second thoughts that he was going to back out. A <laughs> pretty wild two days. I mean, yeah, he, you know, he said that he, he said that it didn't feel right, and you know that he was in the right place already. So you you have to take him at his word. I mean, you know, I guess there's no reason to really doubt it. But it was a weird reception when he came back. But I I just because I think everybody is kind of like skeptical these days of anything. You know, sure. a lot of us are. Oh, no, I was going to say, how can we not be with uh, yeah. the cloud of yeah. the FBI scandal over the entire sport that we love? So I think like any time there's a, a misstep or there might be something a little bit off script, I think people automatically assume that there's something wrong or something fishy or something a little shady. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah. I don't blame people for thinking that. That sounds, it sounds un, unfortunately a little bit appropriate. Right, right. But I, th- I think um, as the dust kind of settled, you know, I think a lot of people were pretty happy that he's back. I mean, first of all, you know, he's really turned the program around. They had, not only were they not winning under the, the last guy, but, you know, they'd had some discipline problems, some guys getting arrested, and uh, they've, they've not had they've not had any of that. And, uh, you know, every year they've pretty steadily gotten better. And one thing about his teams is they always play better in 
February, March, which is crucial in the Big South. You know, really what you do outside of four days in March doesn't matter. So it matters a little more now because you can win home court advantage, which, you know, obviously was huge for them last year. But all the same, you got to you got to win the tournament. So, so that, I mean, that's been a characteristic of his teams. They have consistently gotten better as the season wore on every year. He's also good in the community. You know, he's, he's around a lot. He's um, very charismatic. If anybody's ever seen him talk, he's, he's engaging. He's really passionate about what yeah, he does. Like, very good quote. <laughs> uh, yeah. Very good video. So yeah, no, he's <laughs> excellent. Uh, animated. Yeah. He's animated. And, um, and he's a good coach. I mean, and, and if you ever saw him as a player, um, which you might have, but you might not remember it. You know, he wasn't going to be a stat stuffer, but, you know, definitely would dive into the crowd <laughs> to save a ball or something, you know. So he, he's that kind of guy. He's a he's a rah-rah guy. And, um, you know, I think the players, by and large, uh, react really well to that. And, uh, you know, he always had a funny relationship with Keon, but a lot of the other ones, you know, they, they – they take that well. Keon and, and he always, not a bad relationship. I don't, I don't mean to say that, but just right. kind of like a funny one, funny one to watch them interact because, you know, I think he always wanted Keon to be his floor general and that wasn't really Keon's personality. Yeah. That, I mean, I, th- I feel like it's always an interesting dynamic with the, the coach and the star player. Um, yeah, if that sure. relationship works, then, you know, everything is probably going to fall into place after that. So it sounded like that coach yeah. Kelsey made it work with Keon, even though they didn't see eye to eye on maybe what their roles were. You talked about this a little bit. What, like, what is the team vibe and identity here? It seems like that Winthrop could be trying to be like maybe a little St. Mary's, but just on the East Coast with some of their Aussie imports. And what, so what sets this team apart, like uh, vibe wise or identity wise, that is going to allow them to sustain the success that they had last year, making the tournament and winning uh, home court uh, and then winning their conference tournament. What are the things that are going to go together and go right for this team this year? I mean, that's a great question. So under Greg Marshall, Winthrop was hard-nosed, defensive-minded, underdog. You know, they they made themselves the underdog, even though that you know they you know were just crushing everybody. Um, there always was an under underdog mentality. Kelsey sure. has a, has put a little of that into his version of the program, but. Even though he loves to talk about defense and how defensive-minded they are, I mean they've been an offensive program since he's been there. They've, they've, they're really fun to watch. I mean because they they score a lot, they shoot a ton of threes, they make a lot of threes. Yep. You know he's one of those guys that's really into analytics. You know so they're they're trying to hit corner threes, lay up some dunks, and get to the free throw line, and, and that's really worked out for them. Especially last year, they had um, shot a ton of free throws, and you know Keon, uh, one of the one of the underrated ways that he scored was at the foul line where he was like 86% and, you know, was one of the most fouled players in the country. So, you know, it was very uh, deliberate what what he did and, and, you know, Cooks gets fouled a lot too. So offense has really been what's defined them. And that, and that's what I think has made them, even though they haven't made the NCAA just, but just the one time under Kelsey, I, they've easily been the best team to watch in, in the big South because a lot of the big South just, you know, it's a little more plotting and defensive and, you know, just slower pace. So almost any time somebody plays Winthrop, it ends up a shootout whether they wanted it to be or not. Uh, as far as the Australian guys, you know, they got Cooks, and then this year they've added two more. They've got two freshmen coming in. One of them, Kyle Zunick, is uh, a pretty interesting player. He's a 6'2 guard, and he's on their either U19 or U20 national team. I'm not sure which. Uh, on the full national team, you know, Xavier was on the yeah. World University games team which is maybe like a notch below uh his age group's full national team but 
Zunik is on the full national team and um, could be could be a pretty good player for them. But, you know, they adapt well to the U.S. because there's not a language barrier. I wouldn't say they play like a super different style than we do. You know, I, I think there's some aspects of the European game, but, you know, like Xavier's dad is from the U.S. and played at St. Mary's and then his brother played at Chaminade in Hawaii. So, you know, they grew up in American basketball culture. So it's not like, you know, all he does is backdoor cuts and stuff like that i mean you know he's a really he's an american game you wouldn't really yeah you wouldn't really know that he's the foreigner i think they've they've got they've worked really hard to kind of cultivate a connection there the team went to australia this summer and um played some played some games and uh you know i think that's something they're really trying to to develop and you know like whether that would continue when kelsey left you know, would probably be up to the next coach because I think this is something that Kelsey's kind of developing for his career. And, you know, it's benefiting Winthrop right now, but, you know, why not? I think it's really smart. It's kind of a untapped market and, you know, you just don't have uh, the difficulties with credits translating sometimes from European, you know, like there have been like some Serbian guys that came to Winthrop and, you know, set out a half a semester and then didn't come back after Christmas, you know, so, so sometimes that stuff just doesn't work out and I don't know if it translates more directly from Australia or not. I'm not sure about that actually, but, but they've got three right now. So, you know, I think that's, I think that's, in, that's worth note. That's noteworthy for sure. That may, that may be the most in the country besides maybe like St. Mary's. Yeah. It seems like it's working. And I was, it's funny that you brought up Zunik. I was just going to ask you about him, but you gave a, a good little scouting yeah. report on him. I think he's, mm-hmm. he's a baller. He can definitely play. Brett, the last couple of things we'll ask is, can you give us like a, a thumbnail sketch of what it's like at Winthrop Coliseum? Is, I mean, you talked about, how that home court advantage that they obtained for last year's conference tournament was really valuable. Why is it so hard to beat the Eagles on their home floor? And what, you know, what's the vibe at Rock Hill for, for a, a conference home game? Give us, give us like the little package of what a viewer might see if they were in the audience. So it's interesting that this is a football state, like without question. So a lot of the regular season, there isn't going to be a huge crowd at Winthrop Coliseum. The Coliseum, uh, I've been told this before, the Coliseum is awesome for recruiting because it's a 6,000-seat arena that was built in the 80s. Not not exactly the best game day environment most days because it's huge. So if you don't fill it up, it becomes kind of cavernous and empty feeling, you know. And so when, when you walk a recruit in there, they're seeing it and they're like, oh, wow. You know, I mean, it, it's bigger than any other gym in the in the league definitely not nicer there's a couple there's probably two or three that are brand new that are really nice like at Asheville and Campbell but but when you get it filled up you know and and as the season went on last year you know they they were having a pretty good year in the regular season you know you're getting like close to 4000 people um and it gets very loud so then in the tournament you know they did they they did really well. I mean, because people will people will come and watch the tournament in Rock Hill when they know that the team's got a shot at the NCAA. Uh, it hasn't sure. been in Rock Hill in a, in, a, in a long time because they've been the Big South did a good thing last year. But what they had been doing was just giving out the the postseason tournament to the highest bidder. And you know, the last couple right. of years, it had gone to uh, Coastal Carolina, even though Coastal Carolina didn't bid for it. It was visitmyrtlebeach.com. So. It technically was supposed to be a neutral site, but it was on the home campus of Coastal Carolina. So it was, yeah, I mean, it was an advantage that they didn't earn. And they took advantage of it because they were a good program. Last year, they uh, they made the regular season count for something finally by saying, you know, if you won the regular season, you got to host 
the tournament, you know, as long as you made it to the finals. And that worked right. out perfect for Winthrop and, you know, it had a huge crowd for the for the uh, championship and, you know, everybody ran on the court when they got in and, you know, it was it was cool. I mean, there's been a lot of games uh, where, you know, there's barely a thousand people there. So it was really neat to see it, see it like that. But yeah, I mean, the last two years are 28 and four at, at the Coliseum. So they, they do really well at home. Yeah. It's, it seems like a really tough place to win at. And that, but yeah, that atmosphere that you were talking about for that final game, I, I kind of remember that scene and seeing everybody rush the court. That's kind of what I was envisioning in my head. So a, excellent thumbnail sketch, you know, last thing, and we'll get you out of here on this. I guess with uh, any mid-major, you're looking for opportunities during the, not preseason, but the, uh, prior to the conference season getting rolling. And it seems like Winthrop has a couple of those opportunities with uh, going to Georgia, going to Auburn, playing VCU. Let our listeners know, do you feel like Winthrop has a shot at each one of those road games? Or are those games there as like window dressing? I, I kind of feel like Winthrop has a shot to get a couple of wins for a couple of those big schools on the road. I don't think it's crazy to be thinking that if you're a Winthrop Eagle fan. No, I don't think so either. So they've they've beaten uh, Clemson and Illinois in the last couple of years and lost to Florida State last year by 14 and Keon didn't even play. I I remember that being like a super high scoring game, right? Yeah, 186. Yeah. Uh, yeah, without okay. without a twenty tw- without a twenty three point per game score, so that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> exactly pretty good. Right, right. <laughs> and then almost beat NC State the year before that, and beat Auburn in twenty thirteen. So they they've had a lot of a lot of success against those teams. The one I would circle would be Auburn. I mean, they're obviously in a lot of turmoil right now. Not a very strong SEC program, and um, pretty surprised they honestly that they schedule Winter. You know, since they beat them in twenty thirteen, they've they've played one time since, and Auburn won that by between fourteen and twenty points. I can't remember exactly, but. Yeah, that would that would be the one I would circle for sure. VCU could be a tough game for them because of the way they play. You know, you got seven new faces on the Winthrop team this year, so they're gonna still be uh, congealing. You know, by the time that they play December nineteenth, that that would be a tough game on the road. And Georgia, I really, I honestly don't know much about them. They're they're uh, I would say for sure a, a peg above Auburn, so that'd probably be a. Um, Pretty tough game. Uh, Winter plays Southern Illinois at home in its opener, which is a pretty good game for Winter to get in Rock Hill. Teams like that don't don't usually come to Rock Hill, so that'll be a that'll be a um, pretty decent opener. Naturally, they scheduled it on a Friday night, which is you know high school football time around here, so there'll probably be about 450 people there. But pretty pretty good that they got that uh, game on the schedule, though. So, folks, there you go. That is your Winthrop Eagle <clears throat> scouting report from Brett McCormick of the Herald of Rock Hill. Again, you can find his writings on heraldonline.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Brett, just one T. Uh, Brett, thank you so much for giving the Screen to Screener podcast a few minutes of your time and letting the listeners know what they're going to get their hands, uh, what they're going to get their eyes on when they take a look at the Winthrop Eagles this particular season. Thanks so much for, uh, for helping us out. No problem. So